Are you a real estate investor looking to elevate your income, freedom, and lifestyle? If so, optimize your daily performance by downloading our free guide, Raising the Bar, Five Steps to Elevate Your Habits at ElevatePod.com. In this guide, created by yours truly, you'll learn why you do what you do, how to easily institute cues in your environment to trigger desired behavior, directly applicable steps to create a fulfilling future, and much more. Get your free copy now at ElevatePod.com and kickstart your new habits today. Your future self will thank you. Welcome to Elevate the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with, I'll say this, my incredible friend, Billy Keels today. Oh my goodness. Just buckle up because today's episode is so much fun. You're going to learn about how letting fear getting in the way can hold you back from not only solving problems in your life, but designing an amazing life and creating systems, creating a team, creating outcomes through real estate. Also, by the way, living a life of curiosity and the value of living a life of curiosity, you're going to learn so much from Billy's story. By the way, you're going to learn about long distance real estate investing today, how that looks, what that looks like how that can apply towards your life. And I'm going to shatter, we are going to shatter some limiting beliefs that maybe you've had before. And I'm going to give you this one tiny little question today. And I think you're going to see it, you're going to hear it, you're going to feel it. And that is, what if? What if? And that's it. I'm just going to let you fill in the blanks there. And uh, wow, this episode is so good. Please buckle up. Elevate Podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal development for high-performing real estate investors. I'm your host, Tyler Chesser, and I'm a professional real estate investor and high-performance coach. It's my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar today. Welcome. If it's your first time listening to Elevate, you are welcome here. We are so thankful to have you. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for playing full out. Uh, I think you're going to receive tremendous value today. If you've been here before, welcome back. We're so excited to pour into your cup today. Um, If you've been here one time, two times, or 250 plus times, you're important to us. You're part of Elevate Nation. You're part of the family, part of the tribe. And I want to ask you to pay the fee. The fee is just to pay it forward. Share this episode with one person. Send it in a text message, an email, post it on social media, send it in a DM, whatever you have to do. All you have to do is just share this episode with one person. And uh, we would just appreciate that from the bottom of our heart. The only way that we can continue to add value and take valuable time out of my day, out of our day, out of our team's day, um, and invest in more resources and tools to be able to continue to elevate, elevate, we have to grow. And we just ask very genuinely that you help us do so. And all that is, is just one share. Just share this with one person. If you've already done that in the past, we thank you. We ask you to do that one more time with someone else. Help us spread that message. Uh, And uh, I think today is a life changer for for many people. It can be for many people. So you're a conduit to uh, being a ripple effect towards elevating humanity, uh, elevating, you know, your network as well, because you know what, we receive value when we give value. 
And I want to, you know, invite you to, to give that value today. Uh, I also want to invite you to give us a rating review and subscribe or follow Elevate Podcast from wherever it is that you listen or watch podcasts. Um, that is very important to us. And we appreciate all the feedback. Your testimonials are extremely valuable. And uh, we're very appreciative. I'm very appreciative. We read every single review. So thank you for taking 15, 20 seconds to do that as well. If you haven't done so already, please go ahead and do that right now. With that said, I want to introduce you. I want to dive into this conversation. I want to introduce you to Billy Keels, who is on a mission to help those high wage earners and or retirees that have been forgotten about by so many in society. You're going to hear about that today. He's determined to help you feel comfortable and confident going against conventional wisdom by being okay with investing real assets and doing that beyond your backyard. As a long distance real estate investor, Billy is utilizing the skills that he's developed over the last 23 years as a happy, successful corporate employee at some of the world's largest market leading IT multinational companies to becoming an entrepreneur. As part of his journey, he's hyper-focused on consistently helping you create new alternatives for your life so that you can be also happy about going into your job or not, by the way. As he builds his family of investors and students, he's determined to help each one of them enjoy each and every moment doing the things that they love most. No more looking at mobile phones during family outings to see which emergency you have to respond to. No more sitting in meetings where you feel like you're wasting your time. No more early morning flights because your boss recommends, quote unquote, that you be there. And no more missing your child's special events because you're staying overnight in a hotel room eating room service. With a desire to add as much value to each interaction that he has, the 20 plus years of travel throughout some 86 countries, working with multiple global currencies, his ability to fluently speak five languages and his passion for living and working across cultures are just some of the qualities that make Billy unique in his ability to serve each and every person that he comes into contact with. All of this and so much more is so apparent today, and you're going to love this. I mean, we talk about mindset. We talked about his story. We talked about curiosity. We talked about determination. We talked about love. We talked about dreaming, working hard, um, being a recovering perfectionist, because I think there's a lot of clues in that. And uh, there's just so much to learn from Billy's story today. So I want to invite you to enjoy this amazing conversation with the phenomenal, the great, the fun, the happy Billy Keels. Billy Keels, welcome to Elevate, my friend. How are you? Tyler, man, you cannot even understand how excited I am to share a conversation with you. This is like, this is like a dream come true, man. This is awesome. Wow. Well, thank you for that. I mean, it's, I feel like the 20 minutes that we just spent together before recording could have turned into like three or four hours if we weren't careful. And I was like, wait a minute, it's like 6 30 PM on your side on a Friday evening. It's like, ah, are you sure about this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know it's how all sure good, you are man. I was going to say it was like like two or three days. Actually, I felt like I we could have kept talking. <laughs> I know. I was about to meet you in St. Lucia here uh, here in a second. But thank oh, you yeah. again, man. I, I really appreciate those kind words. But I feel like you know we're almost brothers from another mother at this point because we have a lot in common. But there's a lot of exciting stuff that I think we're going to get to today, Billy. I'm I'm really excited about it. You and I met originally, and I think I will say met very loosely. Uh, we were both honored, and in our podcast, we're both honored in terms of rising commercial real estate podcast. That was a, that was a real uh, treat to be recognized in that way. And I'm sure you felt the same way, but um, how does it feel to, to receive that type of recognition? I mean, obviously you put in a ton of work into what you're doing as well, but give me a sense of what that was like for you. Yeah. You know what? It's one of those things where number one is very humbling. 
it, because you just think, wow, yeah, I just wanted to get out here and share and, and, and create platform, but also be able to add a little bit of value to the to the world. And then secondly, when that kind of thing happens, I really think about the team that is really putting us in the best position for success because they do so many things and just allow me to get in front of a camera and a microphone and talk to people. And then all of this kind of stuff happens. So it's, it's really rewarding. And it's something that I really love sharing with the team. Cause it's just, it, it's, it's one of the outcomes that, uh, that that's great to be able to share with the team. I'm a big team sports person. So, uh, so yeah, so those are the I'm things that come to the top of mind. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really cool just to have this conversation with you just briefly, because I'm already reading between the lines is, you know, you're somebody who's humble, who's willing to give credit to other people, deflect that credit. And I think there's a lot to be said about that type of leadership practice, because the other side is, Hey, you know, I'm great. And, you know, I've done this and I do this and I, I, I'm one of the best. And so of course I got this recognition. So I just always, I I already appreciate that. And I I would imagine that's a clue into what we're going to learn from this conversation today. So Billy, uh, let's, Let's, let's talk about that, man. I want to introduce you to Elevate Nation um, before we dive into a little bit of your backstory and your upbringing, because I think it's re- actually really unique from what I know so far. And it's really exciting. But give me a sense of how would you describe yourself in the way that the people that know you best would describe you like people that know you deepest, maybe it's family members, maybe it's close friends. What would they say about Billy Keels? Um, they would say that, number one, I'm someone who is extremely curious. I think I've always been curious uh, my whole life. And probably one of the reasons that I've been fortunate enough to to work and travel throughout 86 countries in, in my life and have decided to live in Europe for the last 20. Um, curiosity, I think, is one thing. Uh, someone who is really empathetic because as much of the ex- different experiences that I've had in my life, it allows me to really understand where other people are coming from. And that's one of the things that I always try to uh, to think of. Um, someone who really loves family and friends. Um, I'm a person who, you know, I, I, there's nothing that I wouldn't do for my family and friends and, and also someone who's very determined. So when it's time to get out there and put a dream or a goal in front of me, there's very little that uh, is going to stop me and the team from being able to uh, to achieve that. So I think those are the things that would uh, probably come to mind if you ask people that, uh, that really knew me. And also too, that I, I really do, I care about people. I care about people. I just think about the excitement of visiting 86 countries, uh, traveling to 86 countries, of course, living in Europe 20 plus years, obviously being a native American or, you know, you know, from the from the states, the homeland. Um, But I think of that type of experience and designing your life in that way is is being very exciting and, uh, you know, definitely quenching that curiosity in many regards. But I'm sure it's endless like it is for me, like curiosity is just endless. And once you start to scratch that itch, it's like, oh, wait a minute, but there's more. And uh, that's really amazing. But give me a sense of your upbringing, your backstory a little bit, because I feel like that'll give us more sense as to how you became who you are today and as you're continuing to evolve. But give us as give us a sense of what that upbringing and backstory looked like. Yeah, sure, man. So and uh, you mentioned before, so I'm, I am consider myself a, a very regular guy from born in Columbus, Ohio. So very Midwestern kid, Midwest values uh, from the U.S., and a couple of weeks after, or a couple, I guess a little bit after I was born, we actually, my parents, neither one of them have uh, a college education. And they both worked really, really hard or have continued to work really, really hard uh, most of their most of their lives just to be able to, especially when we were younger, do the things that would allow us to be in the school districts or get, receive the education that they knew would help us to move to the next level. Um, so really on, before I was 12, I'd already lived in three different states. We'd probably moved somewhere between 10 to 12 times. So my brother and sister were both born in Colorado. We lived in Texas for a while and all the time 
just really moving uh, to within different places within those different states and those different cities. Um, my parents had some marital problems, so they uh, separated when we were in Texas and then eventually got back together when we were in Ohio. And, and ultimately, that, that relationship didn't work. So that uh, was one of the things that me and my younger brother and sister actually saw and grew up in and, and, and seeing what it was like to grow up in a household at the time. It seemed like, wow, you know, that your parents are divorced. And that was a, a big thing. But there was always a big focus and, and a lot of love from both of them to make sure that we were getting the love and attention that we needed and we were able to really continue to dream, right? And continue to work hard and work for, towards our goals. And education was a big thing. And so um, eventually I graduated from high school, ended up going to a university in the Southwest of Ohio at Miami University and got two degrees there. And, um, and then after that, Tyler, like my whole world got completely rocked, man, because it, it, in a positive way, because I had this, I have a great friend of mine um, who was from St. Louis, Missouri. And he'd mentioned there was this job where people are working, traveling around the world. And um, I was, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I'd just been rejected two times by Procter and Gamble. And cause that was like my dream job. And when I'd been rejected twice, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be like, I don't know what I'm going to be able to do. But then I heard this job of people traveling around the world. And I was like, Oh man, I don't know if I ever leave the United States, but this seemed kind of cool. Um, so there was a, I think there were probably four or 5,000 people that are, that applied for 26 jobs. I ended up moving to this place in St. Louis. It was amazing. Um, I was in five years between ages of 21 and 26. I had the opportunity to work and travel throughout 58 countries. Wow. And what was amazing was, was always staying in very, like I, like I said, I come from a middle-class family, blue collar. And what happened in this five years in 58 countries, we were working and traveling with really big name fortune 500 CEOs and traveling with them all around the world and staying in like five star accommodations. I mean, it was unbelievable. I'd never imagined any of this kind of stuff, but I met so many different people, so many different walks of life that I was able to learn from. I was able to share my experience. And plus I was just young. So it was one of those things where I was like staying out all night and working all day and learning and, and, and giving and growing. And that was amazing. And then after that five years and having seen so much, I didn't see myself doing like a normal quote unquote, nine to five job. So I had saved some money. I had this desire to actually live overseas because in 1995, I had this really, really bad experience. Um, personally, uh, I'd lived in Spain and I really let myself down because I had these big goals, big lofty goals, and I let fear get in the way. And maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. But but what that did, that that failure event at the time said, hey, listen, Billy, if you ever get another opportunity to live overseas, take it. And so after these five years, 58 countries and not really wanting to do that normal nine to five, I was accepted at university in Paris and at the university called the La Sorbonne or the Sorbonne. Uh, and so when I was there. Uh, it was just phenomenal. Uh, I wanted to go there and learn more about French language and culture. I wanted to learn how to salsa dance and I wanted to learn about wine. Don't ask me why these three <laughs> things, but yeah, I mean, these were the three goals. Like I, I'm really, a, uh, I like to set goals, dreams. And, um, and the thing that happened there after that first, probably six months, Tyler, I realized that, wow, man, this is something that I'm really enjoying. I'm learning the language. Um, I'm, I'm testing a little bit of the wine I'm understanding. And that seems to be helping my salsa dancing in the evening. So, um, so <laughs> I, I, I was, I, I, yeah, I was sticking around for a while, but, but jokes aside, I mean, I really did enjoy it. And what happened because I had really great connections with people that I was working for in those five years, 58 countries, I had an opportunity to actually stay in Europe. I was supposed to go back to the US, but ended up staying in Europe. And that really kind of changed the trajectory of my life because 
not only did I leave Paris, I moved to the south of France. And while I was there, I was working in an international environment, multi-language, multi-culture, and it was phenomenal. And also happened to meet this really wonderful um, woman who was really kind of cool and cute. And I guess she thought I was kind of cool and cute, handsome, whatever. And, uh, <laughs> and, we, and we, we connected. She actually ended up moving back to this city um, called Barcelona, Spain. Uh, I moved to Italy. I started a sales team there uh, in the IT space. I was working in the IT space. Eventually went back to France uh, and that young lady and I stayed in touch. And eventually I moved to Barcelona, Spain. A couple years later, uh, she and I actually got married a uh, couple, uh, I guess a, like a year and a bit later, our first son was born. Uh, our second son was born uh, about 18 months later. And I've been in Europe living in Barcelona, Spain, this entire last 20 years, as we talked about before. Um, so I always tell people kind of as a joke, I'm always like, hey, listen, you know, if you ever are going to take a one year sabbatical, be careful because it can turn into <laughs> three countries, a marriage, two kids and four wow. additional languages. <laughs> that is incredible. What a unique experience. I mean, you know, you just took a leap of faith and yeah. you you found yourself in Europe. And now 20 years later, you've got a family that's growing. I mean, we were talking about before the the show, you and I share, a, you know, a for the sport of basketball. And it's cool to hear, you know, your, what is it, eight year old and 12 year old uh, boys that are, you know, 10 and 12. Yeah. 10 10 and 12. 12. And uh, it's really cool just to hear that. But I think it's 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 interesting how it's come full circle and that you're instilling this love for the sport that obviously in many regards is very popular in the U.S. And of course, it's a global sport, uh, but it's almost like you're instilling this in, in your your sons who are now native Spaniards in many regards. It's so interesting how that that's come full circle for you. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I always say, yeah, my, my kids are U.S. Spanish or Spanish U.S., depending on how they wake up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so is their first here's a here's a question. Is their first language Spanish or English? So I would consider their first language is Spanish. And then they also speak English and Catalan. So my kids are actually trilingual, which is pretty amazing because I well, grew up in Columbus, Ohio. And I was kind of like, well, I spoke <laughs> English somewhat well. And now I see my kids at 10 and 12 and they're literally trilingual and they don't even understand the gift that they have in the doors that that will open in the world that it will open. Oh. And they don't even have to think about it. It will. It's just a reflex of what they're seeing around them. So that, I mean, it's just, uh, it's, there's an expression in Spanish. It's baba, which makes uh, kind of like you see your kids and you're, and you're kind of drooling because I just see them. And I, it, I just, I'm so impressed that they have this amazing gift and they don't really even recognize how powerful it is yet. That is amazing. It's one of my dreams is to become bilingual. And it's like, wow, you're talking about trilingual. But what I understand is you speak five languages. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. I do. So I do. when did you start speaking another? I mean, you didn't start learning other languages until you were much older. Well, I, so I kind of took, I did take Spanish in high school and college and I was really, really good at it. Like I had a good memory and some would say I still have a good memory, but I'm a little bit older now. So, um, <laughs> it's, so the, the, I had a good memory and I understood like the, the logic and the grammar and stuff like that. So I was good at memorizing and then responding on the, in the exams in high school. And then in college, I had this amazing professor. She, um, she reminded, she recognized a gift in me that I was not taking advantage of. And Melanie Ziegler, um, shouts out to her. She recognized that talent and really forced me to say, Hey, look, Billy, you've got something special here. And so she really helped plant the seed for me to go overseas for the very first time. And that was the kind of the failure event that happened in, in 1995. But 
aside from Spanish, I actually learned the other languages. Like I had no idea how to even say my name is Billy when I moved to France. I moved to Paris and I was going to learn the language and culture. I, I, I was there by myself, didn't know anything. Italian I learned because I had an Italian sales team and the company I was working for paid for you know, language lessons before I went there. And then I was just there every single day and eventually got to a point where I was able to interact with customers and help to coach my team and stuff like that in Italian. And that was amazing experience. And then where I live here in Spain now, there's, they also speak the language of Catalan. So I've been fortunate to learn French, Italian, and Catalan since I've been living in Europe. So after like, after the time I was 27, something like that. I think you're describing the value of immersion. And yeah. of course there's a, there's a parallel, there's a pattern there, whether it's, you know, learning a language, learning a culture, uh, immersing yourself in, in a goal, whether it's in real estate or otherwise, I mean, there's a, there's a parallel and there's a correlation here in immersion uh, that I find yeah. to be very valuable. Absolutely agree with you and the things that you've just said. Uh, absolutely. And it, and it is one of those things that I'm even experiencing in my life now, when you have focus to actually do the things that you've set your mind, your heart to do, then, yeah, I mean, you just have that clarity and you, you have the power to act on things and, or decide on things and then act on things. And, and you start to move the momentum builds much faster. So we got to, I can't miss this. So 1995, there was a failure event and you mentioned, Hey, don't let fear get in the way. It was a lesson that you took away from this. So give us a sense of what happened in 1995. Yeah, man. So, you know, it's one of those things that you look back and like I said, I, I don't come from a family that has money and I, I worked really hard. Like I worked in college. Um, one of the things I did in college, I used to clean wrestling mats um, to make money. I had some scholarships and, and a couple grants and stuff like that, but I was working during college. And so when, when that teacher that I mentioned to you before was like, Hey, listen, you've got this skill, you've got this talent, like you should really develop that and, and do that through immersion, like go live in the country. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I don't have money to do that. How am I going to get money to do this? Cause I, I'm sure it's not free. And she was like, yeah, you know, but you got to find out about it. And so I was able to also had another great teacher, Bill Madison, who was helping me to also capture some uh, scholarship money, but then the rest of it, I just had to work and I was working in the summers and stuff like that. And so once I decided I was going to go, I had two programs that I could choose from. One was in uh, Puebla, Mexico, and the other one was in, um, in Valencia or Valencia, Spain. And so I decided to go to the place, which was the, which was a lot further away. So instead of going to Mexico, which seemed relatively close at the time, and I thought, well, let me go to Spain. And so I decided to do that and wanted to go there. And I had this big dream of saying, Hey, listen, I'm going to go, I'm going to go over for three months. I'm going to come back and we'll be fluent in Spanish. I'm going to come back and show everybody how cool <laughs> I am and blah, 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 you know? And I had great grades, A's high school, college was, you know, completely pumped up because this teacher recognized the skill in me. And I was like going and I wanted to come back and I was going to speak to her in Spanish every day and just completely awesome. And Captured, got some scholarship money, worked really hard. And so I'd saved all of this money because I, you know, because I didn't have a really good relationship with money when I was younger, uh, just because of the circumstances I grew up in. And all of these things were tied up in coming back and being fluent in Spanish and being able to do uh, things and show people the skills that I'd learned. And the thing that happened to me, Tyler, was I went through all of this buildup to get to Spain. And I will never forget when I arrived in September of 1995 being with a group of kids that was, cause this was through the university of Virginia. Um, we all got together in, in Madrid Barajas airport. And then we landed in Valencia, Spain. And when we got to the host, cause we stayed with the host family and I'll never forget, like we, you know, we'd been traveling all night, was t 
tired and kind of sweaty. And, um, you know, you're just kind of like, I just need to get somewhere and take a shower. So we finally get to the place. And I remember getting off of the bus tired and we're like picking my backpack up and walking down the steps. And like, there's this really like vivacious woman at the bottom of the steps and she's like the host mother. And she's like, has our name, me and another guy named David. And she's like, <laughs> and I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, I don't understand a word she's saying. And I could just feel myself Tyler, like all the stuff that I thought I knew it like made me crumble inside because I didn't understand a word. I just didn't realize how many thousands of miles away I was from home and all of the, like this confidence I had and the things that I was going to do like crumbled. And so I, I kind of took the easy way out. So what happened to me in that moment was I just kind of feared out. And rather than like being in the front of the class and learning and doing, I didn't want to look stupid. I didn't want to look like I didn't know uh, the A student. And so rather than moving forward, I kind of chickened out and I decided just to hang out with the other kids that spoke the same language as I did. And we just hung out. I didn't have the money to travel every weekend like they did, but we were always kind of hanging out with one another. I mean, I'm, I've developed some really awesome friendships and people that I even know today, but inside I realized that, oh my gosh, I'd worked this all these summers and cleaning all these wrestling mats to be able to even put money towards doing this and coming back. And although my Spanish did improve, I couldn't speak to Melanie in, in Spanish fluently. Like I was completely um, disappointed in myself. And because of that, that disappointment was difficult for me to really deal with. And I thought, you know what? I don't know how, but if I ever get another chance to do this again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to disappoint myself in the dreams and the goals that I'd set forward. So then kind of take that six years later. And then I was very fortunate to have another opportunity. That doesn't happen all the time, Tyler. It doesn't happen all the time. And so to recognize that I had this opportunity to go to live in France and live in Paris and learn the language, learn the culture. Like I had a chance to do in 1995 this time you know, it was just, I, I had my goals and I wasn't going there. There was no safety net. And so I had to depend on the things that I told myself. And so rather than every time I heard uh, the English language, the American English language, especially like I went the other way, physically went the other way so that I could get to a point where I wanted to really learn more about the culture. And this was right after um, 9-11, 2001. So this was a very kind of there was a lot of emotion going on as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was so glad that, that, you know, 20, like I said, 20 some years later, I'm, I'm still here in Europe on that one year sabbatical, but 1995 was a real big lesson for me. And it also helped me to realize that failure is only failure when you quit. And so mm. I didn't quit. I just was kind of put it on pause for a while. Um, that, that ability to go back and, and since then it wasn't just one language has been multiple. So you know, what's so interesting about that. And I'm just reflecting on the story from my vantage point. It almost makes me think of trade your expectations for appreciation and everything changes because your mm. expectations were a certain outcome. When you got there, you were like, oh, my gosh, this is not happening the way I expected it to. You weren't getting what you expected, but I'm sure you got so many other things that maybe at that moment you were not conscious yep. of. You weren't focusing on you're focusing on all the things that you were not getting. And so yep. the lesson that you walked away from was, hey, don't let fear get in the way of your dreams, but also it, it's almost like, Hey, open up your gaze to recognize all the other things that you're receiving at the same time. 
Definitely. And it's, it's recognizing that you're moving towards something and not that you're so far away from something, you know, yes. and, and every single step that you can take towards that, that, that idea, that goal, that dream, you're getting closer to it and you're leaving all the things that you didn't know behind. And, you know, what, but at the, at the, at that time and the, the age that I had, the experience that I had, I, I could only think of, you know, I'm a, I'm a recovering perfectionist. I don't know if I talked to you about that, but I am mm. a recovering perfectionist, right? Because I got the good grades. I did all the things everybody told me to do. Like, hey, listen, we're in good schools. You get these A's and you go to college and you go to get the job. And, and so I was used to, up until that point in my college career, just really what I set my mind to, I got it. And so that was the first time that it didn't work like I imagined it was going to work. And rather than fight through it, I kind of took the easy road out at that point in time. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I definitely learned a lot, but just the goal that I had set in my mind well, I had to put it on, I had to put it on pause for a little while. So you probably needed that experience for, for many reasons. I'm sure, I'm sure looking back to say, Oh, well, this oh, yeah. is exactly why I went through this experience. Would you say? Absolutely. Without a doubt. Yes. 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 So what I'd love to know is, you know, throughout this entire experience, I mean, obviously, you know, there's so many things I'm sure you could point to in terms of the experience and the expansion that you've learned just through immersing yourself in different cultures, different experiences, different perspectives from people all around the world, all around Europe, um, which I'm sure is just amazing. And, and I'd love to spend, you know, 24 hours doing that with you at some point. I would love to know at what point did you what when did real estate come across your radar to say, hey, there might be something here. There might be some sort of additional lifestyle that I can develop through the investment of real estate. When did that come in your purview? So this is once again, I, I think what when you start looking back on life, it's and this is what I've learned since then. Right. Is when things seem like they're not happening in the right way, that's when you've got to lean in even more. You've got to surround yourself with people that have the experience, can give you the perspective because it's probably just part of the process. Right. And, and that's what I know now, but this is 20 some odd years later. So the, the thing that happened and why real estate actually got into my life was also through kind of another, I guess, failure event, because as a recovering perfectionist and someone who did what they were told, and I was um, got the good job. And, uh, you know, after that five years, I was back into a, an enterprise software company and all in this is amazing space and cutting edge. And, and you, you have know, got these amazing uh, budgets, opportunities, all this kind of stuff. But, but one of the things that happened was before I left in 2000, I'd actually started saving money. Right. And for me, saving money was like investing because my parents, you know, you made hadn't made enough just to make it to the end of the month and then got to start all over again. And so I was in a different point. And so when I started saving and then started investing and putting my money in my uh, mutual funds and 401k, things were going well until 2000 and then kind of had this like dot com bubble. And so there was a little glitch and it was like, well, hang on a second. I was freaking out and hang on, you know, let's do some dollar cost averaging is what I was hearing from my financial advisor. Things are going to be okay. And so I trusted that. And, and then things did work out and things were okay. And then a couple of years later, I was now living in Europe. I was working for this amazing company, making a lot of money and had, uh, you know, I was, I was putting money back in the, in the equivalent of a 401k. It's not the same thing over here, but um, things were going really, really well. 2008 hits. And then I'm kind of like, I've just changed jobs. We're getting ready to, getting ready to, uh, to get married. And all of a sudden, I lose 33% of the value of my portfolio. And I was just thinking to myself, Tyler, hang on a second. This happened in 2000. This is happening again in 2008. And one of the things that always resonated with me, what my parents said is, hey, listen, if something happens once, shame on them. If it happens twice, shame on you. Mm. And so it was kind of that started it. 
And then I got some information and I had this uh, boss who had been in real estate and he was buying real estate that was in, in, uh, in uh, Scotland. And we sat down and we talked and, and that kind of sat the seed to figure out, okay, well, listen, I can actually invest. And then I read, like a lot of people, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then I read the whole series. And then I ended up reading other real estate books and I started listening to the podcast. I saw a couple of videos on YouTube and I went down that rabbit hole and I was like, oh my gosh, just hang on a second. I can actually make money. I can make two, $300 a door and this is going to be cool. And, and, and I'll do that. And so I took all that knowledge and all this excitement and a couple of years later, and I like went to go buy property here in Barcelona, right? Cause that's <laughs> what I was supposed to do. Cause I went to go do that. And it was, that was the, what the plans were saying buy where you live. And so I went to go do that and I didn't understand Tyler, but the numbers weren't working. I was like, hang on a second. If I do this and it's revenue minus expenses and it gives me NOI and then beyond that, and then it take the debt service or, and then you go with the mortgage or whatever. And then it gives you, you know, your, what, what you have with the money that you have, the net profit or whatever but it didn't work that way. I was like, this is always negative. It always looks like I'm actually paying <laughs> 50 euros, hundred euros, 200 euros. This doesn't work. What I didn't like, it understand sounds so is much the, better in the book, man. Come on. Right. Exactly. The <laughs> book was like really cool. But what I didn't understand was number one, I was in a, in a, a market or, or a location that is more appreciation based. Mm-hmm. And there really is not the same type of cash flow in the areas that I was looking, right? This is very, very, very green, just getting started. So a couple of friends of mine, actually, this is probably over a span of three months, three different friends that I appreciate a lot. And they were like, hey, man, it seems like you know a lot about this stuff. Well, why don't you actually buy your properties back in the U.S.? I said, what? I said, what do you mean buying the U.S.? Do you not see the Atlantic Ocean between where I live <laughs> and where the, where, the, where the properties would be, man? Come on. That, that doesn't make any sense. And you know, after the third person told me that, I was like, well, hang on a second. This maybe, maybe they're right. Like I'm a U.S. citizen. I can go over and I can buy and da, da, da. So, I mean, it's, a, it may be a long winded story to your, to your, to your answer, to the answer to your question, but that's how I actually got into real estate. It was because I was looking to gain more control because the stock market had really disappointed me through those two different events. I thought about what my parents told me and then I got educated. I figured out where I could go, what I could do. And then there was this huge Atlantic ocean and tens of, or a couple thousand kilometers or miles between us. But eventually it was about, Hey, look, I'm ready to take action and I need to get more control over my life. And it just so happened that real estate was the vehicle that allowed me to start to get more control over my life. So two things happened. One thing was the challenges, the, the, you know, the market events, significant market events, 2000, 2008, which you saw is like, wait a minute, uh, that doesn't feel good. 33% of the portfolio is gone. It's like, uh, is this just how this works or is there another way? <laughs> and so then you were pushed into action. So I think that there's, there's a distinction there. It's like you either are the victim of circumstances or you say, okay, now what feedback am I receiving to course correct and go into a different way? You were pushed then into action to go into education and learn more about real estate investing, you looked around and said, well, wait a minute, uh, false start because Barcelona does not make sense from a cash flow perspective. And, you know, I could have just given up there. And when I say I, I mean, you, you could have just given up there and said, this does not make sense either. These people are selling snake oil. But then the question of it was, it's almost like this, what if question, then the what if question came up, which put you in the world of possibilities. The what if question says, what if you invested in the US? And so then you started to ask yourself more empowering questions to say, all right, instead of a very long hammer that stretches from Barcelona, Spain, 
over the Atlantic Ocean to the U.S. so that I'm swinging a hammer, fixing things and, you know, solving maintenance problems. You started to say, all right, well, what what if I did this? What might that look like? So give me a sense of what happened from there. Yeah. So at the time, I didn't I, I had no team. I didn't understand anything. The only thing I knew is that I had significant cash, like liquid in the bank, and I was not going to put it in more of the stock market. Like I just knew I wasn't going to do that. And so when I was ready and clear and then, you know, clarity helped me to take the power to, to act on, decide on what I wanted to do and then act upon it. And so I knew that I needed to build a team. And so I had to ask, Hey, listen, do you think, cause I knew about debt and stuff like that and getting a mortgage and I, but I didn't know anybody. So I asked family members, Hey, listen, do you all know anybody that could help under, help me to understand more about debt and get a mortgage? And cause I want to use it for a rental property. So that was the first kind of step. And so I met a banker, uh, I met a couple of bankers, but ended up meeting this one banker that took the time to explain to me like the different ways you could do things. But at the end of the day, it was pretty much, you know, you leave 25% down and you buy the property and you're going to be approved because you've got a great credit score and you make a lot of money, right? It was, that's kind of what it was, but I had all these other things going on in my mind. But from there, um, that the banker introduced me to someone who was a general contractor who then started showing me about the different, this area and could explain which block was better than the other, but they weren't a realtor. So then they introduced me to a realer realtor. But then that way we really started building just the, 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 the ground level team that I mm -hmm. needed to buy the first property, right? What I did in the beginning to get started is definitely not what I would talk, what I would talk about or recommend to people today, but mm -hmm. it's what I did to get me started and get me in the game. And so from there, you know, we, we finally were able to get the, the very first property, which was a duplex and went from there and, and have just continued to not stop since then. And for many years, so from, let's see, for the, about eight and a half years, almost nine years, I was living a dual life. So I was, you know, performing really, really well in my corporate role. I was in the top talent program and I was, um, you know, in the, the top winner circle and all this other kind of stuff. And so achieving during the day really, really well. And then I was really afraid to tell people what I was doing in the evening, which was mm. like building my own business because I was in this really high profile role. And in a high profile role, you don't make a lot of money and are in this place where you're representing the, the company. These are the things I was telling my, my, myself in my head. This wasn't actual reality, right? This was just what I was telling myself. And so I was really ashamed and I had to keep it really, really low and didn't really talk to anybody about what I was doing. But there were really eight and a half, nine years almost where I was working really, really early in the morning, all the way until midnight. And fortunately, I don't sleep very much. Um, and I was really focused on the goal and the dream. And, and, um, and yeah, I've just continued to do that up until recently. And so now I'll just focus on other things. I'm not doing the corporate life anymore. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor. Then we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a national real estate investment firm founded by myself and my business partner, Brian Flaherty. CF Capital's mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors like you maximize their returns by investing in high value multifamily communities. If you are looking for risk adjusted alternative investments in quality apartment communities are seeking tax optimized cash flow with appreciation upside without all the hassles of management, you might benefit from learning more about investing alongside our team. You're invited to reach out and learn more about how you can invest with us by visiting cfcapllc.com. We're also currently offering a free ebook called The Bottom Line. 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. Whether you're a new or experienced investor, we're confident you'll find massive value in this resource. So go get your free copy today at cfcapllc.com. And now please enjoy the rest of the show. Hey guys, my friend Damian Lupo just informed me that checkbook IRAs have been made illegal by the U.S. tax court. 
That means if you have a checkbook IRA, your holdings are now disqualified. That means taxes and penalties of up to 50% or more. Don't panic. Damien and the EQRP company can fix this. Lucky for you, those IRAs can be converted into EQRPs. Plus, you can do this retroactive to the last year, getting tax deductions and reducing your taxable income from last year. Want to invest your 401k or IRA in real estate, Bitcoin, gold, or even your own business? You can. Whether you're a full-time investor, retired, a dentist with dozens of employees, if you're listening, you qualify. The EQRP works and is your secret weapon. And now it's retroactive. They have your solution. By the way, if you got bad advice and use an IRA for an apartment syndication, you are sitting on a UBIT time bomb. But don't worry, there's a solution, the EQRP. The EQRP company is ready to help you get control of your money, kill UBIT, and help you pay way less taxes. Want to learn more about this strategy? Simply text the word ELEVATE to 307-213-3475 for Damien's brand new 2022 EQRP special report. Paying tax or letting Wall Street suck you dry is dumb. Your first step is freeing your retirement money by sending a text to 307-213-3475 with the word elevate. So I think it's really interesting that you say that because this is something that's not talked about a lot. I mean, you think about people, most most people who build a real estate portfolio are doing that on the side. They're kind of chipping away at some goals. And, you know, most of the time they have an income that they're generating earned income and they're putting sort of some of that cash into deals or they're building, you know, maybe they're buying a duplex, maybe they're buying a fourplex and they're kind of growing. Maybe they're maybe from there they learn about, you know, passive investments, being a limited partner in larger deals and they get connected in that way. But it happens over time. But I think it's really interesting that you share the kind of shame, a little bit of the shame that you felt or maybe the dual life that you were living. And I'm sure in in many regards, that was, I don't know, maybe it was almost uh, squashing to your personality, because I would imagine you became more and more passionate about this as you started to see more and more results that you created. But give me a sense of that. I mean, looking back on that now, I mean, what did you learn from that? Would you have done anything different? Um, So number one, I a lot of this was self-induced, right? Because even when, if I looked at the, the, the bylaws of where I was working and stuff like that, there were no, in, there were no conflict of interest and that, that kind of stuff. But what happens is when you are in a high profile role at a very large brand, you're, you're paid a lot of money to do something. So how mm-hmm. dare you do something else? Right. And I was in a sales organization. And so if you're a sales or sales leader, like you're the people that are generating revenue for your company. Like mm-hmm. if you don't generate revenue, then your company can't pay anybody else to do anything. Right. And so there's just this kind of unwritten rule that you can't be out here making these large, you know, sometimes tens of millions of, of euros or dollars in sales and have a different life. Like you got to be just hundred percent committed to this. Um, and so when, when you real, when I realized that, Hey, listen, I can't really talk to a lot of people about this it was difficult for me. Like it was really, really hard because I wanted to share, like my really close friends, of course they knew. And I've got a lot of friends that are in software sales and software sales leadership and stuff. Um, and then, you know, they'd go to other companies and they tell their friends about what I was doing and stuff like that. But the really close friends, yes. But when I would go to the office, it was like, I didn't talk to anybody about it. I didn't talk to my, any of my clients about it. Sometimes I would fly to client meetings and they'd be talking about things that they did or they were buying a property. And I was kind of like, uh, I don't even think I can say that because i got two colleagues that are here with me. And, you know, and so it was right. it was a really, really challenging period. But then there got there got to a point, Tyler, where I realized, hang on a second. I'm like I'm in a top talent type of program. I am achieving, overachieving against the quotas that are set for me. So why should I feel ashamed about also being able to build my own life? 
And I remember talking to my wife about it. And, you know, her thing was, are you, are you doing anything that goes against the bylaws or you're in conflict of interest? And I thought, no. And, and also too, at that point, I began to, uh, I, I had a paid mentor and the mentor was like, Hey, listen, you know, if you want to do this, you should probably get out there and, you know, share a little bit more of your story and blah, blah, blah. And, and so all of these different, you know, my wife, who I, I, I trust and has lots of influence on the things that I do and, and that, that I do and having a mentor, because I'd already started taking action. I then over the last probably three years, actually started then sharing what I was doing. And I mean, sharing um, through social media channels, uh, sharing with other people when they would talk about it, like, hey, listen, I'm doing this. Uh, and I started realizing that there are a lot more of us out there mm-hmm. than I thought were out there. Right. And so, but because I was so afraid of it, once I started sharing things across social media, I mean, it was amazing the number of people that worked for major software sales competitors that are either in leadership positions and and services positions that I would start to get these, Hey, listen, I can't believe you're going through that too. I've had this same kind of thing. Let's chat. (laughs) And so (laughs) you you, you start realizing that it's, but it's because of the type of role that you're in and the type of high high profile um, and high salary type of positions that, you know, they're just, you don't, you don't mix the two. It is interesting. I mean, I think of the, the quote from Seneca who says, we suffer much more in our imagination than we do in reality. And it is, it's such an applicable thought process. I mean, constantly you think about what you were experiencing throughout that entire time frame. It was, Oh my gosh, this is, this is, you know, could be very frowned upon. And maybe a lot of this was subconscious. Some of these thoughts were subconscious and you're like, you know, let's just do this. Let's just operate in this way. Uh, and maybe there were some thoughts that you had on a conscious level, but thinking about, well, wait a minute, there is no real conflict of interest. As long as I'm performing and outperforming even beyond, um, you know, there, that makes a lot of sense. I would be curious when you think about in 2008, you had this experience of 33% loss of your portfolio that obviously pushed you into action to say, all right, well, let's, let's take more control over the wealth building aspects of, of your future. I'm thinking, I'm imagining, I'd be curious, was that the case? And then how did your goals shift over that time frame? What did that look like from there along those nine years? And as you continue today, what does that look like? What's the purpose beyond it? Yeah. So in the beginning, the whole thing for me, Tyler, and I'll go back to the kind of the, the story about talking about my parents and working really hard and they worked, I mean, they were working multiple jobs and it was just like work more hours, make more money, and, you know, hope to be able to get to the end of the month. So, right. And and real quick, the reason why I'm sorry, the reason why I asked it too, and and please continue. (laughs) The reason why I say it is because most people would be like very proud of the income they're generating, especially when you talk about being in a high profile position. So that's why I wanted to clarify what was the reason. Yeah. 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 So it's what happened was um, because of where I come from, And I still struggle with this today, right? Because when you grow up as a kid and you don't have financially much, and also remember my parents put us in really good school districts. And so I was surrounded by kids who did have all of the financial things that I didn't. And my parents were working two jobs and they were doing all the really hard work. So for me, the financial, like having money in the bank, like we talk about people like, hey, look, just watch the money go up. And even like today I have a very different mindset, but for me, it gave me a sense of security to see that the numbers went up in my bank account. Little did I know that that erosion was happening and I was just being completely like, that's the worst thing you could do is keep, you know, a lot of money in the bank. But because that gave me a sense of security, anytime that that, whether it was in my bank account or on the piece of paper that I'd learned was more important because that was quote unquote investing, like that was the real stuff. When that dropped, 
it was like a pit in my stomach. It was like, hang on a second. I'm an A student. I'm doing what everybody's telling me to do. I'm, I'm mm. doing, I'm get, I've got the right job. I'm putting the money over here in the, in my, in my 401k and my, in my IRA. And, and, and it's not working. Like I can't control it. And so what that did, like, uh, this is a reflection years later, what that did is it made me look for how can I get more control over my accounts? Like, how can I make sure that as much as possible, it's in my control that the numbers keep moving up because that gives me a sense of security, right? So that's, so that's kind of where it came from. It's since evolved, right? But, it, but that little Billy that I, I still recognize mm-hmm. that those are things, but because I'm now aware of what's happening in the very beginning, when that 33% happened, I was just freaking out because I've done everything I was supposed to do. And I don't, I can't control any of this stuff. That was the problem that I was having at the time. Yeah. And I think we have uh, I think it's a global epidemic of lack of financial intelligence, even for folks that are, you know, very high earners. I mean, you talk about it's not about ultimately this is something that I think both you and I learned from Robert Kiyosaki. It's not what you make, but it's what you keep. You and keep. you know, you and it's not about hoarding resources, but we're talking about building wealth. I mean, that's the unlock, you know, sort of key towards your your freedom. And one of the things that I, I feel like you're talking about is it, that's talking about taking real ownership over your life rather than saying, all right, well, yeah, it feels good. I have this sense of security because numbers are going up on a piece of paper. Now you're talking about gaining that control back. That's correct. And that's a huge paradigm shift because with that change, it means I'm responsible now for what's going to happen. Like I can't point the finger at somebody else and say, no, but the market went up and the, or the market went down. Oh, right. now I make so much money because the market's up and I did such a great job. But when the market gets down, it's, I can't believe that that happened. I can't believe they point. Like now when things are are, are working in the right direction. Like that is because the team that is around me, we're, you know, we're, we're getting the right information, the right decisions are being made. And, and then, and then it even goes now beyond that because we're, we're responsible for other people's dreams and goals. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and they, and they represent that through their placing of their time with us, um, asking questions of us and then ultimately placing capital with us. So so there's a whole uh, there's a, I guess it's a growth that happens, but I also now I'm much more aware of where this all comes from and kind of where I come from and the things that I continue to be aware of and work to improve, to move from that kind of scarcity where you came from to more of the abundant mindset, taking more responsibility and then also more control of the outcomes. Cause ultimately that's what it's about. Man, I tell you what, I'm just endlessly fascinated with the underlying currents of, you know, our beliefs, our emotions, our values that are, you know, in some senses, they may not come to our conscious consciousness if we're not careful, if we're not observing them. But when you reflect back and say, well, this is what was pushing my behavior in this direction, I think it to me, it's endlessly fascinating. And we have to continue to understand that as we propel ourselves forward. So help me understand how has your real estate investing approach evolved since then to now? Like, what does that look like? You mentioned, obviously, building the team come from a basic level, you know, from the the banker, the general contractor, the realtor, and so forth, and finding the duplexes. But how has that transition? How has that grown since then? Yeah. So the, you know what I've started realizing, Tyler, is that in a lot of times, and, and, and I know we, we, cause you're a mindset guy and you, you understand the power of real estate, but because I've been in the, in the corporate sales environment for the better part of 20 years, what I realized is the, the evolution is I started looking to solve a problem. And I think that this is what excellent salespeople, I, I, I love the sales profession. I think it's an amazing, amazing profession, right? Because when you're doing it with a pure heart, 
and, and focus on the person who's in front of you or the people who are in front of you or the corporations that are in front of you, you're trying to solve a problem for them. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to solve my own problem in the beginning, which was I wanted more control. And real estate is what gave me that control, right? It gave me the ability to say, okay, this is really now in my hands, in my team's hands. And so we started there. And then the thing that I didn't know, because like I bought a bunch of smaller multifamily um, properties, and then I ended up buying a mobile home park in, 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 um, in North in South Carolina, and, and things were going really, really well, right? And I was doing all this like from Spain, <laughs> which is kind of funny. People are like, what? You bought That's a awesome. mobile home park living in Spain? Yeah, so, <laughs> but you uh, kind of do this. But then I found out about this thing called passive investing. I was like, what? You mean I can actually give somebody like two, $300,000 and they'll do the work? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, hang on a second. Hang on a second. I got to find <laughs> out more about this. So then I started finding out about it. And as I started finding out about it, I found out more about the mechanics and understanding, okay, well, who's the person that's actually the syndicator and the operator? And sometimes they're the same. Are they different? Okay, well, in this case, yes. In this case, no. But once I started understanding it and then asking the question, then I started looking for other types of problems to solve. And so in the beginning, I was solving, well, I just wanted to create more streams of income. And so then there was another opportunity to invest in something that is real, right? Um, that created, you know, very consistent cash flow. And then I ended up passively investing to find out what that was like and see what it was all about and ended up investing in ATM machines. And that was really, really cool. And, and I was like, okay, well, yeah, this is solving this problem. This one's solving this problem. And then I kept going and things were moving in the right direction. There was more and more interest. So people kept wanting to find out. And I did a lot of talking and, and educating and things like that. And then I started realizing that I was having another problem. And the problem that I was having is, well, I started having um, because I was a high wage earner, I was had lots of wages. And so I was really, okay, I, I love real estate. I'm a big fan of real estate and will continue to do it because I, as you get educated, you start realizing that that's kind of a really smart way to do things because of just mm-hmm. what happens tax wise. But because I was having these large tax challenges on the other side, well, I needed to solve that problem. And so then I found a way to be able to solve as a, as a non-real estate or as a non-real estate professional, I was able to figure out how to solve that problem with my earned income. And so as I was having that problem, what happened was there are also a bunch of other software salespeople that I was surrounded by that were having very similar types of problems. And so we then focused on helping that person solve their problem. So as we build out, because continue to build out the company, right? Because now this is what we're doing. I have a very clear uh, focus on being able to help people who are like me, high wage earners, to be able to solve that issue that they were having as they continue to invest in real estate, because we're surrounded by a lot of people that are in real estate and we absolutely love it and helping them to also figure out, hey, listen, how can I solve this other problem? And so that's a lot of where our business today is is focused in the right now and being able to do both, being able to help our clients be able to solve both their earned income problems and their uh, and their well be able to build more passive income through real estate investing. Yeah, there's nothing more defeating when you're like, man, I had a killer year. This has been an amazing year. And then all of a sudden that tax bill comes and you're like, what just happened? I mean, that is oh, like you can feel it. I can feel it like it hurts bad. I think I'm, I think I'm starting to sweat. because you're, re- you're reminding me how much those things don't feel very well. Yeah, they're just oh, not nice. But then when you build a strategy and you have an approach, you have a solution, you solve a problem. And obviously yeah. this is one component of the solution in terms of real estate investing, but some of the questions that you have asked, and and these are proposed questions or posed questions, maybe uh, 
sort of non-reciprocal questions. It's what if I didn't have to do this nine, nine to five thing any longer? These are, these are even further than what we're talking about solving that problem. It's okay. Well, what if I didn't have to do this nine to five any longer? What could my life be like then? How would it be to spend more time with my kids? I mean, that's what we were talking about just before yeah. we really started this conversation was yeah. now this excitement that you have to really be super present. And now it's like yeah. about it's like beyond solving that problem. It's this is like designing further. Yeah. You know, so there's a couple of things that come to my mind. Like the first thing is um, one of the things that I enjoyed about having started investing in in real assets in real estate and and then finding the passive investing was it helped me as a sales professional because my life was already taken care of before I went into my nine to five, right? Because at a certain point we were, we had made the right decisions to be able to generate, like not thinking about how much money was just in my bank account, but how much money was consistently coming in like month after month after month or quarter after quarter. And so that also helped me when I would go into my day job to be much more professional, to be in a mm -hmm. position where to say, okay, well, listen, yeah, well, does this make, does this really make sense? Or am I just trying to close the deal just because I got to get my quota? Well, right. if it doesn't make sense, let's not do it. So, so that really helped the, 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 being able to invest actively and passively helped me perform better in my day job. And then at the same time, one of the things that I realized, and this is what we were talking about before, as I was doing that, there were things that weren't happening at home. Like, because I was so focused on the job, um, and that was going on in the back of my mind. And I'm, I, I would consider myself a father who was very present while I was working in my corporate job. But I guess in the bottom of my in the bottom of my stomach, I knew that I was looking for that phone to ring or I had to, you know, answer that email rather than hang out with my kids. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you a secret, Tyler? Yeah, since, please. OK, since I've stopped, um, since I'm no longer in the corporate world, one of my favorite things to do, like one of the things I really, really love is just playing video games with my kids. Like it's really, <laughs> yes. really fun. Like it's just one of those things. It's just fun. Like, I mean, they completely dominate me. Right. But it, yes. because like I, I'm used to tech mobile and whatever and Nintendo kind of stuff <laughs> back in the day, but I love it, man. I can just sit there and I watch them beat me and they love it. And then they just talk to each other about all the, wow, they did this dunk on dad and you know, mm -hmm. NBA 2k or whatever. And that's what I start realizing are the things that are the most important. Because as my kids get older, like I don't like I think about my 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 oldest son. Like I got, I've got six more summers with him, man, before he's going to do other stuff. Wow. Right. And so it's now when I can focus on because I've already done the work, right? And and I was doing that in the corporate job. Um, I'm I'm gonna continue to do it. I'm just doing it in a different phase now. But now because I can control my time even more in a different way. It's just like, wow, man, this is so much fun. Today I went to my, my wife and I went and had lunch and it was just great. I mean, we sat there for a couple hours and it was fantastic. I mean, the, like these are the things that I start to realize. And you and I were talking about this before. I had some pretty per personal things that happened in mm -hmm. my, in my family's life with my dad. And when you have that perspective on things, you just think life is not forever. Mm -hmm. So what can I do today? You know, what can you do today that puts you in a position to, when you go into your role, whatever that is, you enjoy it. You feel that you can be the best that you can be. And then also ultimately when you decide that that's no longer your path, are you spending your time in the way that makes the most sense, brings you the most joy, allows you to love the most so that when this whole thing is done, like, you know, people are going to be going, wow, you know what? was awesome.
She was amazing. I'm so glad that we got this time together because that's what really matters, man. Man, uh, I feel like you just allowed many people to course correct and just kind of think and, and say, all right, well, what what are we doing in terms of, you know, how are we spending our time? How are we being present? Uh, one of the things I thought about was a friend of mine. He's a he's a high earning physician as well as a real estate investor. And he's he's a lot like you and I. And I would consider somebody who, you know, has a desire to be a very high performer and everything he does. He also wants to be a great father. And what he's recognized, and I think he's um, alluded to, is that, hey, he's got a problem with presence. He's got two young kids similar to you. And while he's like, yes, I'm, I'm there, I'm spending time, I'm there physically, but I'm not there mentally. And there's like this, there's also this thing where what you just described, it almost lifts off this mental um, need to not be present and to be at seven different places at once. And now this gives you the freedom then mentally as well, which is amazing. Would you agree about that? Yeah. You know, it is one of those things. I mean, cause for, for me right now, it's still pretty raw. Right. And I recognize that, you know, the, the, the phone and the attention to the job that I was in, it took so much of my mental time. Like I'm more than 90, just over 90 days out. And I still check my phone, man. I'm still <laughs> checking my phone to see like, is there something else coming in? And the fact that the world has slowed down and has now allowed me to, to, to invest my time, right. Not to spend my time, but to invest my time where I want and how I want with whom I want, it's just a game changer, mm. right? And I know that, I know 30 days from now, I'll be even better. And eventually it's going to be to a point, like very soon where, you know what, guys, I'm just going to enjoy the things that I'm doing, the phones to the side. I know I'm building a business, but the, the things that are really, really important are spend, you know, it's, it's, it's investing the time the way that you want to be able to do it and work through those things. I think it's, you know, it's like I said, that being present, it's the most important thing, man. It's the most important thing, especially man, when you've got young kids. Going back to that, I mean, it's there's a big distinction and a big difference in spending time versus investing it. And ultimately, I, I think I feel like where you are now is it's not only enjoyment and having that quality of life and really growing through that and experiencing the culture and living in the in the now, but it's also leaving a legacy. What does leaving a legacy mean to you? This is so, it's interesting. My wife and I are talking about this because my kids, they, they're growing up in a very, very different way than I grew up. Right. And so I also have to find the balance between completely spoiling them and making sure that it's not it, that with not things, but with experiences, like you and I are talking about what I want to do with the boys and, and mm -hmm. being able to, to, to take them and stuff like that. But I do think a lot about um, what they will be able to do. I guess part of the, the legacy is, What's the influence that I will have on my kids so that they grow up to be, you know, wonderful young men and they're able to do the things that bring them the most joy? You know, I guess in my heart, I kind of hope that they do some of the things that, that, that I'm doing. But the reality is I want them to grow up in an environment where they think to themselves, you know what, my dad, like he was super supportive of the things that I wanted to do. My dad, when I needed him, he was there. Um, my, you know, when, when, when I needed advice and things were tough, I knew that I could count on my dad. It didn't matter what he was doing. He was either, he was going to make time. He was going to be there. And guess what? He was there. Like that's the moment that I'm in right now is to it, it's, and sometimes it's not easy, Tyler, because when you've been a, a, you know, a good corporate soldier and you've been away all the time, 
Well, I'm also going through that point where it's like, all right, well, dad was traveling and he was doing this and he was here, but he was watching his phone. And now dad is not watching his phone. Like we're able to just keep playing. You want to play again, dad? You mean I can beat you again? You know, so, so, so it's so, you know, it's in that point, in that moment right now, we're thinking, you know, legacy is how are the kids going to react as I get older? Um, what are they going to say? What are they going to do? Are they going to start? sharing things that are happening at school. Cause they're, you know, pre pre adolescent, like that's going to be a really big, important thing for me. My, my, my oldest son, you know, he shared some things with me the other day that I thought, you know what? I'm so glad I'm here right now. Cause it's things that these are the moments where the things are happening to them with them at school. And the fact that he shared that, like that's like the legacy is already starting today. It's how comfortable do they feel sharing things with me that are on their heart, that are on their mind. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, legacy is really present. But it's more about the experiences that we can have and how the, my kids are going to react when they're my age. Like, mm-hmm. Are they going to be like me and call, calling me, asking me stuff, sharing good things that are happening in their life and also have the strong foundation to do whatever it is that they really have their heart set to do and they love. Legacy can be little things. It can be those little moments of, you know, he had an extra, he had an extra five minutes for me. He actually listened. Um, you know, he didn't respond before I was done sharing my thoughts, my concerns, my problems when I'm mm-hmm. thinking from a, from a child's perspective. But, you know, I, I just appreciate that. I just think that this is such a valuable conversation for us to have. And, and it's so amazing too, because the listeners can reflect upon their own legacy. They can reflect upon the own, their own design of their life. They can reflect upon maybe some problems that they want to solve in their own financial world and and how that relates to how they're, you know, really leaving a legacy for their family, but, but what's most important to them, but Billy, this is amazing. And and I know that, you know, what we're doing is we're embarking upon a Friday evening. So I want to be respectful. uh, (laughs) We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. good. (laughs) I want to transition into the rapid fire section of the podcast. We call awesome. it the rare air questionnaire. It is about being uncommon. I think uh, the the life and the legacy that you're living and leading right now and the, the history books that you're writing right now is uncommon, but it's a beautiful story and it's been really, really fun to get familiar with it. I've got a few questions for you. You've got an amazing bookshelf behind you, which I'm like just diving, I'm salivating uh, <laughs> looking at here. Uh, but give us, give me a sense of what are the most two or three most impactful books that you've read over the past few years and why? Fantastic. I love that map that's over your left shoulder. It's amazing, by the way, as well. Thank you. <laughs> I love, I seeing, the, I love, love seeing the world. I'm like, I love, tra- I love traveling the world. The next goal is 100, 100 countries and seven continents or Boom. five continents is what they say here in Europe. So anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that after the show. Um, so as, 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 it, as it relates to um, books, so the, the one thing that like th- this book just like it literally changed the way that I thought about the world and money. Right. And it is a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? Best book I've read in the past, I don't know how many years. Yes, 100%. It's, one of the, it, it's a book that I reread every year, right? And I'm actually with, with one, of, uh, one of our investor clients. We're actually doing a book study just on this book. Amazing. Amazing. Just it, because it just made it since I read the book the first time. It literally changed the way that I saw the way that the world works, um, what currency truly is, Mm -hmm. um, and the difference between currency, money, also realizing that there's so many things that happen on a geopolitical level that I was not really ever even aware of. Yes. Right. And, And so it just helped to open my eyes and see things in a different way. Um, to see things the way that they are. I mean, that's how I felt about it. It's like, wait a minute. That's what the history book said, yeah. but here's what really this happened. This is what's really, yeah, 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 yeah. So 
that one without a doubt. Mm-hmm. If I think about just leadership and when results started changing for me, when I was a corporate leader, there was a book by a guy named Marcus Buckingham. It's called First Break All the Rules. Not sure if you're familiar with that or not. No, I'm not. It changed. It was a game changer for me because when I was a very young manager, right, I didn't recognize the difference between management and leadership. I mm-hmm. used to say, I'm the boss. This is what happens. And I tried to treat everybody like I had a system and I treated everybody the same way. What I started understanding after I read that book and I have a great, uh, great friend and mentor who also helped me to realize, like, yes, you can manage a, a, an organization, but you lead people. Mm. And each person has different needs, desires, they have different behaviors. If you want to gen, if you want to create that high performance in the, in the organization, it's got to start at the individual level and everybody, Tyler needs something completely different than Billy does, even though they're both very high performers because their behaviors may be different. Mm -hmm. And so that book, when I digested it, I had a coach that helped walk me through it and talk me through it for me was a game changer as someone who was a, an organizational leader and there are lessons that I continue to use today as a leader um, without title, right? It's just an influential leadership. Uh, that was, th- those two were really amazing for me. And I'm, I'm reading one right now. that's having a pretty good impact on me. It's called the uh, psychology of money. Uh, and it's a, it's a, that's the one I'm reading right now. So that's uh, that one. That's just, awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm still into it. I like that. Well, that sounds very interesting. Uh, I think there's so much to be said about the psychology of leadership, the psychology of money, the mm-hmm. psychology of all these things when it relates to how you can grow as an investor, how you can grow, you know, your quality of life, designing your life. I think for me, it's like understanding our own mindset, understanding the mindset of others, understanding different personalities, understanding perspectives of not only exchange of currency. I mean, that stuff to me is like, dude, uh, how many hours you got? Cause I'm, I'm right. all in. <laughs> <laughs> I told you two, three days, man. <laughs> I know. Oh, man, I feel like we're just getting started here. We might have to go take a restroom break and come back. Uh, this is so good, man. We're going to put links in the show notes is where the listeners can find those books. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. I'm going to be looking at those last two myself immediately. Okay. Um, awesome. What's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis, Billy? Um, I guess, first of all, I, I every day I work to spend at least at least the first half hour by myself. Um, because I feel like if I can start the day right, like I'm a believer in the in the um, in the savers methodology, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's one that works for me. And just being able to make sure that I'm in the right mental space, um, I, I get the endorphins moving. Um, that's when I find that I'm, I'm at my best. And that's the thing that I do. And I love being able to start my morning with um, being able to see my wife and my kids. Like I, I really, I, I enjoy traveling and all that kind of stuff. When I can sit down at the table and my boys are reading and I'm asking them questions and I can tell I'm bothering them because they just want to read their books. Um, those are the, those are the things that really help me get my day started. And, and it's, that's, that's the, that's the way to get it rolling for me. I love that. Thank you for that. What's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? Being an active listener is the, is the number one thing. Uh, it's really interesting because people will go through a day and be like, well, I really feel like you were listening to me. And I was like, well, yeah, it's the two of us here. Why would, why would I not be <laughs> listening to you? Right. So it's rare. And, yeah. And, and I believe that when that happens, that um, just, I guess, based on the feedback that people give me, it, it helps to, to, to elevate the way that they, that they feel about the interaction. And, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing, I think. 
you may you may have experienced this yourself as a podcaster, but I whenever I listen back to a podcast, I'm like, dude, hello, you missed what he just said. And, you know, it's it's definitely helped me become a better active listener because I'm like so embarrassed and so just like, what are you doing? But man, that's a huge one. Have you seen that yourself? You know what? When you ask if I've seen it myself, yes, I have definitely I've seen it myself. I hear. And yeah, it's it is one of those things you think. Okay. Yep. I'm glad I'm listening. I'm glad yeah. I'm actively <laughs> listening. Actually, you know what? There was a, there was a great, um, you mentioned books and I know I've got, we got to keep going, but um, Go ahead. the, the book what was the book, the, um, the book with Chris Voss. Um, oh, never oh, split the difference. Never split the difference. Yeah. I mean, I think it's that was, one. yeah, that was definitely a big one. See, there you go. Active listener. Um, it is one of those things that, yeah, when you, even if you just, you read that book, and you understand the importance of actively listening. And sometimes lives can be un- held in the balance. But it, that was another book that also helped to reinforce some of the ability to actively listen mm-hmm. and, and also make sure that the person on the other side recognizes that you are that they feel heard at the end mm-hmm. of the day. You know, it's also interesting you say that when I think of active listening, it's not just what's being said, but what's not being said, what's being unsaid. Uh, also, what, what does that body language look like? And maybe, yep. hey, you know what? I'm just going to go out on a limb here. It seems like you feel this way. Am I <laughs> catching something? Or, you know, I to me, that's a valuable process. What do you think? It's an absolutely valuable process. And, and I love it. Yeah. Labeling things. And yeah, it's fantastic. So yeah, we're going to end up speaking four or five days, man. We said two or three. We're going to go four or five. I can feel it. I know. I'm like, <laughs> listeners, go ahead and, you know, go ahead and get out of here. But we still got more to get to. No, but seriously, um, I do think about, again, the active listening thing is just so valuable. And I really appreciate you bringing that up because in any moment we have an opportunity to grow and learn because there's always something to learn from someone else, no matter who they are. And so I think that there's a lot of empathy in that, but there's also um, sort of this growth mindset that is engaged when you are active in a conversation, you're truly saying, look, everything else is not important right now. What's important is this other person. And, you know, sort of growing through that time and time again and conversation after conversation after conversation, because ultimately, man, I know you agree with this. uh, The real estate business, it is about relationships. It's about long term relationships. It's about investing. And so this is the mechanism towards that. But is there anything else you would add to that, Billy? I mean, you said it. I mean, people have asked before, like, well, if you had a, a bazillion dollars, what would you invest in? And da da da, and this and that, and, and it's relationships. And and, and I, I think one of the, well, I don't even think I'm I'm pretty sure because 86 countries later, people from different cultures, different backgrounds. When you start realizing that when things are going really well, you want to celebrate it with other people. Yes. When things are really really challenging you want to reach out to other people, right? And so that's the relationship. And, and so whether things are really, really high or really, really low, you're not going to, you, you don't want to go, nor should you go through it by yourself. You look to the relationships that you've invested in to be able to get you through the lows and also help to temper things when they're really, really high or just celebrate them together. So yeah, without a doubt, I mean, relationships is at the end of the day, that's what it's about, man. Yeah, man. And, you know, we're going to have challenging times in the future. So it always pays to have other people who can help you out of those challenges. So, uh, man, Billy, I want to acknowledge you. First of all, I want to thank you for sharing your story, your story and really immersing us in the rich details of your experience, but also just where you are now in the story. I want to acknowledge you because, you know, your passion, uh, your vigor for life, your curiosity that's just endlessly, uh, you know, rubbing off on all of us is something that's it's just very 
very admirable. And what you've done in your life is exciting. And I think you've laid an amazing example for what's possible if people start to ask themselves bigger questions like, what if? What if, mm-hmm. man? Billy, thank you so much for being on Elevate. Is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with Elevate Nation today? Tyler, what you're doing here, man, is just absolutely uplifting. Definitely elevating for many different uh, people on many different levels. I love your energy. I love the questions that you're asking because it's really helping every single person that's investing their time with you week after week, multiple times. And and you're helping everyone to grow and you're doing it in a way that is transparent, authentic. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. And I appreciate being given the opportunity to invest time with you uh, and the entire Elevate Nation, man. So thank you very much for from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate the opportunity. So what I'll do is I'll slip that $20 bill under the Atlantic Ocean and we'll drop it over to you. So thank you for those comments. We can check that box now. No, it's in all seriousness, Billy. Thank you so much, man. That was uh, very, very kind of you. And uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation. I look forward to part two, part three, look forward to continuing our relationship together. But man, I'm excited for Elevate Nation to continue to engage with you. So uh, point the listeners as to where they can learn more about you and what you do. Yeah. You know what? The, I think the best way to find me, I, I love connecting with people on LinkedIn, uh, Billy Keels. I think I'm the only Billy Keels in Spain. So if you find me on LinkedIn <laughs> and definitely let me know that you were, you were watching and listening uh, to Tyler and I here, cause it just helps the conversation to move forward faster. Uh, also too, and you can find me on Billy Keels on most of the platforms, whether it's um, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, and the other thing is, this is something that's kind of cool and new. Uh, if you want to find out just a little bit more about what we're doing and really helping people, specifically uh, people that are high wage earners, people like I was in my corporate life, and you're looking to uh, do some things differently, you can always find out on our educational platform, which is going live pretty soon, which is firstgencp.com. It's firstgencp.com. And uh, yeah. yeah, that's it. Perfect. We'll put a link in the show notes, firstgencp.com. Of course, we'll put also a link as where you can you know, directly connect with Billy on LinkedIn, uh, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, so Billy, I'm excited, man. This is so much fun. Uh, thank you again for being on the podcast, man. Really appreciate right. it. Hey, Tyler, thank you so much, my friend. I really appreciate it, man. All right, man. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Elevate Nation, Billy Keels, what an amazing individual, phenomenal human being, and someone who's really inspired so many to ask bigger questions, to look at the set of circumstances and say, what if? Uh, not only to start with a problem-solving mentality to say, all right, well, you know, we've created an opportunity through high-earned income, but we've also generated a solution of a problem in terms of taxes, in terms of, uh, you know, what that commitment looks like in many respects. and really reverse engineered a process that is now offering people in Europe, across Europe, the opportunity to design their life. And to me, it's very exciting, but there's so much that we can learn from this story. There's so many correlations, parallels that we can decode and recognize, hey, what is it that I can do to live my legacy? What is it that I can do to design my life in a greater sense of what's true and what's authentic for me? 
I was very excited about this conversation. I think Billy is like somebody who's like, wow, did we just become best friends? Because I think we did. And I hope that really came through in this, this episode, uh, as being fun, um, you know, being light. I mean, I feel like we could have hung out all weekend. Um, and so, you know, thinking about that relationship and, and sort of maybe the direct example here of a blossoming relationship and how valuable that can be, you know, as, as Billy and I were talking previously, it's, you know, there's, there's an unlocked, opportunity for collaboration as a result of connecting from a personal level. And there's just so much more. So I just really hope that you found tremendous value from this episode. I want to encourage you to re-listen to this episode. We learn twice at least as much when we listen multiple times. And I want to encourage you to identify what are your top one, two, or three takeaways from this episode. There may be times where you want to pause, you want to reflect on your own, your own journey. Where are you in that process? Maybe looking back and saying, when did I let fear get in the way? How am I learning to propel that lesson forward? Am I creating the same? Am I engaging in the same mistakes that are creating the same results that are undesirable? Or am I making changes? Am I growing? Am I expanding? And am I leaving a legacy? I want to encourage you to share this with a friend and have a discussion because that's how we learn. That's how we grow is by engaging with other people. And also, by the way, there's a byproduct of investing in other relationships, which is absolutely phenomenally valuable. And uh, most importantly, I want to encourage you to make a commitment to take massive action. Until next time, Elevate Nation, I'm just so thankful that you're here. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.